You're listening to The Psychedologist. This is Consciousness Positive Radio. Aize just released his final book of the year, Box of Bones, book two. By popular demand, he comes back on the podcast for a part two. Expanding off of our first episode where we talk about does evil exist, today we discuss what is evil, and Aize shares some stories from his work as a counselor, therapist, and space holder. He says that evil could perhaps be defined as that which does not lend its support to the life cycle. I hope you enjoy this elaboration on the rich topic we unearthed in our first podcast conversation, the episode before this one. If you haven't heard that yet, I recommend going back and giving it a listen first. Aize Jama Everett holds three master's degrees, divinity, psychology, and fine arts writing. He blends these degrees in all of his work, often identifying as a guerrilla theologian, a community-based therapist, and an Afrofuturist in the same breath. He's taught at Star King School for the Ministry, California College of the Arts, the University of California, Riverside, Western Colorado College, and several private high schools for over 20 years. His expertise includes working with adolescents, the history of substance use in the United States, the history of sacred plant medicines in the Maghreb, the religious roots of political violence from Ireland to the Middle East, educational arts pedagogy, and Afrofuturism. He's published four novels, The Liminal Series, and two graphic novels, Box of Bones and The Last Count of Monte Cristo. As an associate professor at Star King, he teaches The Sacred and the Substance, a course that examines the role of consciousness-altering plants in religions around the world. He also coordinates the Psychedelics and the Seminary Lecture for st- series for Star King, which invite luminaries from the psychedelic world to discuss their orientations to faith and religion. Aize is the producer of a documentary about Black people and psychedelics entitled A Table of Our Own. His shorter works can be found in the L.A. Review of Books, The Believer, and Race Bader. He is a board member of the Tupac Amaru Shakur Foundation, leading their initiative to look at the role of psychedelics in the mental health of people of color and poor people. Aize also serves as a board member to Access to Doorways, a nonprofit committed to increasing the number of queer and BIPOC people involved in psychedelics at every stage. In addition, he serves as a board-level advisor to Psychedelics Today, focusing on their vital psychedelics training program. He's also served in an advising capacity at UC Berkeley Center for Psychedelic Science, has been a guest lecturer at the California Institute of Integral Studies Psychedelic Therapies and Research Center, and was a featured speaker at Stanford's first Psychedelics and Design Symposium. Everyone, it's my pleasure to present to you for a second time, Aize Chama Everett. Welcome back, Aize. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Um, While also it bears mentioning, congratulations on the release of book two of Box of Bones. Was that today? That is today. It is the final book of the Aize 2023 freaking cycle. You were going for it. I wasn't going for it. It just happened. (laughs) I see. Do you have anything you're thinking of writing for 2024? Bruh. So obnoxious. Give me a just fucking. It's not even 2024 yet. Um, I always have. I always have ideas. Um, I always have stories that I want to write. Um, 
Yeah, it's just like right. So so it's like one, it's writing the story. Two, it's like, is there an audience for it? Um, I was about to be. I'm about to be so petty, but like you know, I don't want to just like drop a flute album that nobody really understands or cares about. <laughs> Ouch! What? Man, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I love Andre. It's not that there's anything wrong with playing a flute. Yes, when you're 48, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I understand that, but I don't want to hear it. And I'm so mad about people being like, this is genius. This is amazing. I'm like, listen to Omar Rosa. Listen to Yusuf Latif. Listen to Rashad Roland Kirk. Listen to the motherfuckers who were playing shit when they were in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s. Understand that as genius, which I think even Andre 3000 would agree with. And then listen to that album and be like, okay, that's a dude who learned how to play the pan flute and now he's having a good time, which is fine, but it's not genius. It's not, it's not genius. <laughs> it's a pan flute album. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so even if I, it's tuned to, uh, even if it's tuned uh, to 432 Hertz, uh, not even uh, that. Give a fuck. Rashad Roland Kirk played two fucking saxophones at the same time out of one mouth. That's fucking genius. Right? Like, come on now. Like, you want to talk about, like, musical dexterity and accomplishment? Like, we do have legends in the field on this shit, right? I'm glad Andre had a journey. I'm glad he felt some shit. I'm glad he hung out with some people. I'm glad they had some experimentation. That's all well and good. Just don't call it genius. Don't call it genius. That's not, that's not... That's disrespectful to the geniuses out there that have like, <laughs> recorded and have been recorded and like a stand on their work and especially the black geniuses because you know how hard it is to get recognized for that shit. You don't, you know, like, no, 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 I'm sorry. No. Did I say no? No. <laughs> I know. Okay, it's not so we know that whatever you do. <laughs> now everybody's going to be like, what are you doing? No, That's I mixed. It's fine. It's fine. My friends been like, well, you're going to get canceled at some point. I'm like, look, let it come from the new Andre 3000 album. I don't care. Cancel me for that shit. <laughs> no, that, that won't be it. But uh, I guess you're going to honor your genius genius in 2024. That's all that we know for now. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I have any genius. I'm just going to, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to write. Cause, cause one of the things that Andre 3000 did say, made me think about it was like, he's like, yeah, it's like, there's, there's geniuses, and then there's, like, catching the zeitgeist. And, like, I don't know what zeitgeist... I don't know if I've ever been interested in capturing the zeitgeist, but I know that that is important for publishing and the like. And there's just stories that I want to tell, and I don't know who they will resonate with. Um, so I'll see. I'll see. But in the meantime, there's other, you know, there's other work, there's other community work to do. Um, writing, writing is very... Um, solo and personal for me, which I love. Um, but there's a lot of community work that's being sort of called forward from me and from others. And so I'm trying to honor those calls as well. So we'll see what 2024 brings, but I no longer feel the pressure to produce in 2024. We'll see about 2024. <laughs> Happy to hear that you're not feeling the pressure. That's a, a better way to be, I think. And um, yeah, not like you're going to be sitting down. You're going to be all across the country with a table of our own anyway. So 
Yep. People at what um, Denver, Miami, it's, Massachusetts. Yeah, I don't know about Miami, but um, I mean, I'm not against oh. it. We don't have anything scheduled just yet. But right now, it looks like Denver, Detroit, L.A., most likely Utah, uh, most likely Chicago, hopefully New York, um, Boston, um, uh, possibly Houston, possibly New Orleans, definitely Minneapolis. Um, yeah, and the list keeps growing. Jeez. Well, anyone who wants to check it out, follow a table of our own on Instagram to, for the releases of the dates. That seems to be the place for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the newsletter, but, you know, that'll be um, those come out sporadically because I'm tired. But um, Instagram is where you'll see um, all the stuff. Right on. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Nothing. I had nothing to say. Okay. Well, um, my head's been spinning in a good way since our conversation about a month ago, a little more than a month, talking about evil and also talking about race. Um, so thank you for that. And I know hearing from a bunch of listeners, folks were, uh, their interest was piqued, particularly around this topic of evil. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, as I just said to you before we got on the call, but I'll repeat it in a short way for those that didn't hear. Um, I, well, I had an encounter that was, um, yeah, in some ways unexplainable to myself. And I think my whole life I thought, uh, <clears throat> as I said in the last one, I think there are evil systems and evil actions, but I don't know if there are evil people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's complicated, but, I feel like I encountered something evil in a dream state where I was not asleep but not awake and I felt um, attacked and invaded and uh, like something outside of myself, which I could see and which frightened me, was um, with like a violent and malicious intent um, attacking me. And I was terrified and I remembered... Um, a song that has spiritual meaning to me. And I sang that song and allowed me to wake up and um, kind of smoke cleanse the fuck out of myself and call some people that know about that stuff. So where in the past I would, you know, when I had had experiences like that, which often I would have after going to ayahuasca ceremonies, I would come home and have a dream sort of like that. I was like, oh, that was quite a nightmare. That was quite real. I had sleep paralysis you know, just all of the Western explanations. But this time I didn't wake up with that explanation. It was like, that was fucking evil. That was evil. That was so scary. So yeah, um, my mind is open. I'm just wondering, can we define like what is evil? And what, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> you're, you're smiling. I mean, I just love the term, like, you know, like the Western terms of like stuff where they're like, well, you know, if you have a feeling of like some like immense dread that's like invading you and you can't, you can't move. It's called sleep paralysis. I'm like, that's an explanation. That's not a definition. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, so you can't move. It's like, okay, but why? Like, you know, like, and, you know, this reductionist thing of like, it's always going to be about the individual. It's always going to be about biochemistry. It's always going to be about the brain. I'm not saying that there isn't a place for that. Like that, that is a sort of mechanistic understanding, but I think why those things happen 
you know, when Western medicine is really honest, it'll be like, mm, I don't know, you know? And so yeah. that's when we have to look at older systems, if you will, um, that have been in place for thousands of years, you know, in recorded and, and oral traditions that talk about, you know, the human condition, right? Um, and I think for a lot of folks, a lot of understandings of this world and of humanity and, and existence is that, I mean, if you look around, like existence is often a fight. Like to live is to fight, is to be in struggle, you know, to eat or to be eaten, to, um, you know, go towards warmth and away from coldness. Like when current is going against you, right? That like, um, that the movement, like that movement, right, is necessary. And like that there is a entropic stillness that, you know, threatens to take us at every moment. I think that which like lends itself towards that entropic stillness, like the stillness of the universe, right? The fact that like you light a you light a match and there's a bio and there's a chemical reaction that causes a flame, but if you do nothing, that flame goes out, right? And that if you want that flame to build, you have to give it more potential energy. Like that thing, that which supports life, right? I think is good. I think that which does not support <laughs> life, right? Which like does not, not even support, doesn't not support, but like that which like nullifies like cells joining and like, you know, and, and dividing and like, you know, prospering and like, you know, cuts off oxygen and like does not allow for cellular regeneration and doesn't allow for, for spontaneity and doesn't allow for, for growth. Right, that anything that like does not motivate towards that is evil. I think on a sort of, um, you know, like fine on a on a theoretical level, but on a practical level, it's kind of like, well, what is it? You know, we all sure you can argue we all have evil in us and we all have good in us and whatever. And so, like, is there a truly evil person or a truly good person? I don't care if you're a good person. You know, to ninety nine point nine nine percent of the world but you're fucking evil when it comes to me because what I know is that you're evil to me. Right. And so like, and this is where I think like relationship and community is important, right? It's like, if you, if I'm in relationship, right. With you in some way, right. Like, and we are in a pot and we are in a life giving relationship, right. A life building, which at the very least, a non life nullifying relationship, then maybe I can, you know, help you be more life affirming to other folks. Maybe you can help me be more life affirming to other folks and maybe we can grow bigger and yada, 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 whatever. Right. But if we're in relation and like your entire desire is to like not see me thrive, right. Is to put my shit down is to fuck me up. Is to make sure I can't move from point A to point B. In my, in my experience, you're evil. <laughs> now I can <laughs> I can distance myself from you. I don't, we don't have to be comp, we don't have to be combatants. But I'm like, nah, I'm gonna fuck with evil. I don't fuck with that. I think the only time for me personally, when it's like I am a combatant with that level of evil, is when I see people hurting kids. Because kids, and I'll say puppies too, and I'll say like anything like growing, right? Like if you are squelching the growth of someone like the, the damage that you do is far beyond 
what you can see. You are fucking up a lifetime and a generation. And that I'm like, no, like we are not, there, there's no live and let live on that shit. I'm like, fuck you and the, and the horse you're in on and I'll do what I need to do to stop you. Now I come from community mental health. I come from working with abused kids. I've seen how that damage can perpetuate, not just in one lifetime, but in several lifetimes, you know? So um, that's kind of my, that's my orientation, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my stance on it. So when you say how that damage can perpetuate, do you mean like though that someone who's, I know I'm not trying to say hurt people, hurt people. Cause I learned, I learned about that, <laughs> but that the, <laughs> that the hurt kind of is passed on. And I know you, in the last episode, you said, I don't care about where it originated, but like at, at what point is someone an innocent kid causing harm? And what, what point is it like they need to be responsible for it? I think it's both, right? Like, I think a lot of kids, again, this is from working with kids, you know, their only vision for a lot of kids who've been abused, for some kids who've been abused, who are abusing other people in any way, anger, not, and not that anger is abuse, but like, you know, rageful acting out, you know, sexual acting out, like all that stuff. That is the only way that they know they can impact the world because that is the only way the world has ever impacted them. Right. And so there, for me, at least there's, there's a tolerance that I have of like, okay, one, first and foremost, I need you to, I need to stop the, the harmful behavior that's going on. Right. Fuck the reasons behind it. That's got to mm-hmm. stop. Right. So, um, okay. So I'll give you an example. They started the summer camp and the whole idea of the summer camp was, um, to kids from, uh, different backgrounds, um, put them together, um, in the middle of, you know, 1,500 acres of wildlife and on an organic farm and see what happens. It's grand social experiment. There's one kid who's totally awesome. A black kid is, um, his mom had just been incarcerated. Um, just like was not used to being around like, you know, farm animals from the lake. And there's other kid, his mom, just um, white kid from Berkeley. Yeah, his mom had just taken him. We called it, it was fucked up. Um, he's older now. He's fine. His name's, uh, we called him Ritland Dave because every summer his his parents took him off of Ritland. So he would just be running around like a madman in, um, at camp. And it was kind of like, ah, eh, let him have it. You know, like let him have that wild time. Him and the other kid got in a fight or got in an argument. And he said something about like, that's why your mom's a convict or something like that. And I've never had to catch a nine-year-old from like flying in the air. And he looked like he was about to like, he was about to murder this other kid. I had to grab him. And like, on one level, I was kind of like, I kind of just want to let him go. Cause I'm like, dude, life on life's terms, Dave. Like that's, you don't say that, you know, it's fucked up, but couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, grabbed him. And I've never, I was maybe 2021. 20, I've never wrestled like for my life with a nine year old before. Like this kid was, I my mean, like legs wrapped around his waist. I'm like trying to get him to like calm down. I had dreads at the time. I was holding his hands. He was reaching back having a dread in my mouth and just yanking it forward to try and like get me into him. Like he was fucking pissed. You know what I mean? And like and he yeah. would have hurt someone, right? So like fully understand where he's coming from, but I also had to be like, I can't let you do it. I just can't let you you know like I'm sorry dude. Like you can't, you know, like I, I yes, you're angry and you have every right to be angry, but like I can't let you do it. And then I had to be like, okay, this is what you need to understand, man. Like this reaction 
every time is going to get you exactly where your mom is. I'm like, and it's fucked up. It shouldn't be that way. It's not okay. But if this is what you choose to do every time, I'm, if I was a cop, you'd be shot. I hate him. I'm like, so we got to find another way of dealing with this when the emotions come up this hardcore, right? Was that kid evil? No. Was the other kid who said something to him evil? No. But in that moment, could I see how like one was like, no, that dude's evil. That dude's out to hurt me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally And so like, I had to be like, okay, now that the rage is gone, y'all get a chance to talk. And you got to hear why that was fucked up. And you got to hear why that was fucked up. And blah, 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 right? we can do that. But here's the thing. Not everybody's in a summer camp, right? And not everybody has agreed to be in this big social experiment. Some people just spill their shit out on other people and don't give a fuck who they offend. Don't give a fuck who they hurt. And so I, I believe we talked about this in the context of a psychedelic community. And that was the thing that was getting to me was like, People are acting like everyone has opted into this social contract where we're all going to try to bring out the best in each other and we're all going to be like good to each other. And I haven't seen that written down anywhere. I haven't seen that agreed to by everyone. And in fact, some of the most heinous abusers of this, of like of other folks that I've seen in this space are the folks who are, who are all the ashe, aho, blah, 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 all this BS, blah, blah, blah. But when you check out their actual actions, it's, oh, they abused this person. They financially took advantage of this person. They sexually took advantage of this person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm like, like we have to have a, we have to have a different level of, of understanding of, of how we are communicating with each other and what, what the intent is in our communication. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, I think about intent a lot and impact. And um, I was, I've was i just been taking this class with Kai Cheng Tom, who is actually the episode before you, in which, interestingly, it's, you know, she's a transformative justice facilitator, a mediator, abolitionist, et cetera. And I think she would say evil doesn't exist. I, I should ask her, but, but is yeah. I mean, she gets, in any case, the, I mean, she gets that. She totally gets part of that opinion, and I'm just like, that's a very privileged opinion that you get to have. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing you've had me thinking about. She has a metaphor that impact and intention are like train cars, and you have to disconnect the cars and really understand impact before it's even appropriate to try to go to intention and you might never even be able to it might just might not be that you can get there until impact is understood right but all that like that all proceeds on a thing that we're that we're all on the same track (laughs) i don't give a fuck about your like my intention like okay I i was yeah like if i don't give a fuck about my impact on you i just have my own desires the one that the fuck are we talking about <laughs> like i understand it coming from a place of like um mediation sure if you've got both parties in the room and there's two will two or more willing parties to want to come to a common understanding but we 
How often do we actually have that? Uh-huh. I think we have right. that far less than, than most people think. I think like a lot of times it's like, I'm doing my thing. You doing your thing. If I have more power, my assumption is that you're doing what I say. But if not, I don't give a yeah. shit. You know? And it seems to hinge too on the resources, the inner and external resources that people have to be able to um, process to that degree. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this before, but it's like, you know, it, the, the conversation reminds me of like in the, like, in the nineties when people were talking about like childhood abuse and whatever, and they were like, you know, you have to be able to forgive your abuser in order to move forward. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't care what your imp- I don't care what your intention was. This is your fucking impact. Done. Uh-huh. Don't come back with me. Well, that's not what I meant to do. Who gives a shit what the fuck you meant to do? You shot me. You shot uh-huh. me. I don't care what you I was shooting for the dude behind you. Motherfucker, you shot me. <laughs> fuck is you talking about? Uh-huh. But can't you understand my intention? Right. So what? Yeah. So sometimes there's damage that I'm like, is like, it just eclipses intention. And I'm not saying that's absolutely. Yeah. Like again, in the psychedelic space, I feel like there's such this like conflict avoidant type. Like, I don't know, just bypassing. Yeah. But it's almost like, Fear. It's like fear of confrontation. And when we go back to talking about evil, you know, my my teaching mm-hmm. were the teachings that I was raised with were that the the combination of spirit and flesh is divine and unique in the universe. That there is spirit in the world, and there's there's spirit in the universe, and there's flesh in the universe. But spirit and flesh combined is a gift, uh, is the gift of humanity. And while that may make some spirits jealous and some flesh upset, that is nothing compared to the divine gift that is the combination of spirit and flesh. And that if you rest in that, right, that if you have that, that lined up, that your spirit and your flesh are, are in, in, in concert, then nothing can fuck with you so that you can have demons and spirits and jinns and whatever making their cases in front of you and scaring you and da 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 But if you remember, oh, I'm a divine gift. What they want is what I already have. I'm from a lineage of humanity that is blessed. Fuck this bullshit. I confront you. You offer me nothing. You, you, I have no fear of you, right? Like then it's like, okay, <laughs> right? Like then you're like, okay, <laughs> go into these realms even. I can go into these scary places because I carry with me the fortitude of my flesh and my spirit combined, right? But it requires <laughs> that, that, that confrontation requires a sort of... Um, I don't know, uh, 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 an understanding of the fortitude that is humanity, that is aligned to humanity. 
And I think for so many people in the psychedelic space, they're, they're, they're misaligned. And so they don't have that bravery. They don't have that confidence, you know? And it's not, I don't, hopefully, hopefully, I don't think it's an ego thing. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, Aiza is the shit. I think humanity is, like, fully aligned humanity is the shit. And, like, once, like, it's like, oh, I'm just a representation. Like, I'm just one representation of fully aligned humanity, hopefully, right? Like, given that day, given that moment, right? Like, okay, I'm, I'm in my shit. I know, I know my worth. I know my value. I am good, right? Like, spiritually, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to fuck with him. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But so many people in the psychedelic space are so misaligned. I feel like when it comes time to confront evil of any sort, they're just vulnerable. Can you give an example of one way that they're misaligned? Hey. Um, I mean, I'm trying not to call out people, call people out on shit, but like, I think if you, I mean, a real easy way is like, if you don't have your, if you don't have some cohesion around whatever you define as your masculinity and your femininity, whatever you just like your, your, you know, or any like disorder in terms of like light and dark, like if you can't find that balance in yourself, like if you don't have a, a resolve on that shit, then you're vulnerable to people being like, I will balance this for you. Right. If you're like, yeah, for like, I think for some folks, if it's like, if you are, you know, concerned about like, you know, your, your masculinity or whatever, you know, like you're vulnerable to people be like, well, I'll show you how to be a real man or I'll show you how to be a real woman who's like, can handle this shit. And it's like, well, no, you can't because that's not your balance. <laughs> that's my balance. <laughs> right. Oh. And like, the work is always internal. The work is like, what is your balance? And yes, we can have models and yes, we can have teachers and yes, we can have leaders. For sure. But in the end, any good leader is going to be like, okay, you got to chop in with yourself and make sure this shit works for you. Right? Yes. So I think a lot of people come into the space, you know, like trying to, and I've seen a lot of guys be like, you know, like I'm just trying to get in touch with my feminine side and, and I'm like, cool, like do that. But then I also see them being hella vulnerable to a lot of like, you know, culty ass shit because they're like well i'm just looking for the divine feminine what's the divine feminine in the fucking space and a lot of times it's performative this really tracks with the advice i got after my after i was attacked or whatever mm -hmm. um that this sort of yeah maybe disembodied force will um, look for where there's a, a wound or an opening or like some kind of blockage and like what is it in myself that allows me to um, be vulnerable to this attack um, and and which it makes sense right I what I saying was an Icaro and Icaros like particularly this one especially um, mend the fabric of the self and like close up any holes uh, like a force field on on the self mm -hmm. um, and so the defense, like in my case, the defense was discernment of um, what am I not seeing? Because also in the dream, I kept trying to open my eyes and I couldn't. And I was saying, like, I can't see. I can't open my eyes. So, like, what am I not seeing? You know, what am I willfully blind to? Um, and then, uh, yeah, something else, too. It's escaping me at the moment. Yeah. Uh, 
being being that inner knowing of the self is so critical, I think. I find when I work with clients that there are parts of me that have ideas about what they should do. And it's like, it's always a process of like listening to that part. Okay, thank you. I hear that. And coming back to, I trust this person's read on themselves. And I'm just here to support them to get clarity on that, clarity with themselves and yeah. balance. Yeah. I mean, I tell clients all the time, I'm like, I am a witness to your show. I am not a director of your show. Like, I, I can... I can tell you as an audience member what I'm seeing. I can tell you as someone who's seen other shows what this looks like to me. But in the end, you're the one who gets to make decisions about your life and how you choose to conduct it. So, you know, yeah, I want the backstage notes. I want to know what you're thinking. I want to, you know, but like, in the end, this is you. You know, someone was asking me the other day, they were putting together journeys for folks and they're like, do you think I should tell people what to expect in their journey? And I was like, how the fuck would you know? <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, just, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like my guy, like, that's not like that. You were one person. Like that's your experience. That's not going to be everybody's experience. And if you, that's where that dogma, that control comes in, where you're telling people like, well, this is what you should be experiencing. It's like, well, no, not should, just like what you could. I'm like, no, if that's what you lead with, you're telling people what they should experience. And if they don't experience it, you know, there's they have to contend with that. Did I not do it right? Am I like, did I not take enough? Did I take too little? Like, did I am I, you know, did I, like all this, all this stuff? I'm like, no, like let people be where they're at and they'll find their way. You know, you're there, you're there to like support, not to direct. Well, right. They'd have to contend with their own internalizing of it or externalizing. It's your fault or like you did it wrong. And that is that also takes us away from from healing and truth, maybe. But I I actually I think that sometimes when people experience a lot of suffering in journeys, mm -hmm. it's partly because they didn't consent to like they didn't know that that could happen. And then when it's happening, it's this like they wouldn't have done it if they knew that. So I try to tell people kind of like a whole range of things that could happen, what their body might feel like. But, uh, oh, and, but I really emphasize that, um, you know, the difference between intentions and expectations and to like trust the process and be open and let go. Oh, I don't know. See, but even then, I don't want to do a disservice to anybody, but at the same time, yeah, it, it can be painful to, uh, what, what do people say when they give birth? Like, I wish someone told me how painful it is. <laughs> but how? How could anybody tell you? Somebody, this is the most painful thing in the world. Okay. You've never experienced pain like this before. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what do you do with that? <laughs> I mean, and I, I think like, and yeah, I've done it too, where I'm like, you know, this is what could happen and da da da. da. But like, how much of that is about us? Right? Like, how much of that is about someone like wanting to know what they're getting into sitting with for somebody, as opposed to being like, I'm going to be open to whatever happens. Right? Because I've had people be like, I want to go for a walk. And I'm like, that's a lot of medicine for you to be walking on. And that's what they needed. Okay. So, we're on a walk. How do we do this in a way that's safe so that you're okay? Right? Like, 
not what I was expecting. I had the blindfold, had every, you know, like read the chill music, and they're like, I gotta walk, I gotta get up, I gotta go, really gotta feel it. It's like, okay, cool, let's go, you know, like all those different things. So I think there's postures that um, we assume based off of our own training, right? And I think the more the more that I've seen how people do this work around the world, the more I see there's lots of different postures for doing this, <laughs> you know, and it's not all meditative, you know, sitting on a couch, somebody holding your hand, you know, with the blindfold on as Enya plays, you know, like some of it is running in the hills and some of it is walking in the water and some of it is taking a bath and some of it is being of service and some of it is sleeping and some of it is walking around the house five times and some of it is getting buried up to your neck and dirt and some of it is, you know, it's like, it's just so many different things that, that it can be. So why are we so, why are we so concerned with like dictating what the experience is for others? Anything else on your mind to share around any of these topics? I mean, did we talk about evil enough? I feel like we're talking about everything but evil. I <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else that you want to say about it? I can think of more questions and thoughts, but what's coming up for you? Yeah. No, no. Come on. Tell me, ask me a question. <laughs> I know you like questions. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you think that an entity attacked me? I don't know. Do you think an entity attracted you? I knew that you were going to. Okay. I wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, like, I'm, I'm getting from your report. So, like, do you feel like an, ent an entity attacked you? That was what I felt when that happened. Okay. And how, like, how do you feel now? Mm, as more and more days pass, I feel myself leaning into resting in my old belief system of that, like, yeah, sleep paralysis. It was just sleep paralysis. But I, I agree with you on that, that, you know, maybe science can understand, can explain what's happening when that's happening, but why it happens is not something science can touch. Mm -hmm. um, I've been... I can feel how it's safe and comfortable to stay in my little world of everything that I can see is what is real and what science says is what I trust. And it's like the duality of like a comfort and this is kind of tight and it doesn't fully encompass my experience anymore. So I, that's why I, you, you said earlier, I'm sorry that you went through that. And I said, I'm glad it happened because it feels like, um, uh, growth and, you know, I'm very, I'm a curious person, so I don't want to draw any conclusions, but I guess uh, if things exist that are disembodied, like, how is that possible? Is this, so this is something I don't, I don't understand that. That's why it's hard to believe. It's because oh, I can't understand how that can be. That's easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's easy. Um, take, take the reality of human existence as a blip in the existence of 
the universe. That like the entire time that humans are on a habitable planet that's like orbiting a small sun in an ever-expanding planet, like that is a, right? At that point, there are a billion different types of energies that have existed, exist, and will continue to exist long past the human experience. In other words, we do not have all of the tools biologically or scientifically to understand everything that is happening around us. And we never will. We're killing the planet. We're killing ourselves. We did like, we know that there there's, there's strange matter. There's strange energy. Like we dark, dark matter. We're like, what the fuck is that? We did. We know what it is by the, how much of there, there is not get your head around that. Right. So <laughs> all of our religions, all of our science, all of it, like we are, we are approaching what we don't know. So it totally makes sense that there are patterns of existence, maybe called entities, maybe called whatever, maybe called spirits, maybe called jinn, maybe called whatever, that culturally some of, some of our cultures have been able to put some patterns around that we call them religions or we call them traditions, but that there's far more Right. That like, we're like, I, just, I mean, I think there's a reason, you know, even the Judeo Christian beliefs, they're like, God's unknowable. Like the name of God. There's a lot of shit we don't fucking know. Really? How many Orishas are there? I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fucking Orishas. There's an Orisha. We don't know. Right. So what happens when we let go of the needing to know? Right. And we just sit with the experience of it. Right? My grandma used to say things. She's like, they she's like, they got every other name for, for a demon, but there's one, but I don't need those names. I just need to know the name of God. You can call them Beel, who's for you, don't matter. I don't know. All I need to know is the name of God. And I have the name of my God, and that's in my heart, so I'm okay. Right? So yeah, there's I mean. The idea that existence would be limited to a bag of biochemical organic material in this form. Like, we know that's not true. We look at the diversity, if you look at the diversity of life on this planet and know that we have killed off so much of it already and know that we haven't seen three quarters of it, why couldn't there be that diversity of energies? world's bigger than we think it is right just explain what we can and you know I think like I mean I, I like seeing myself as a pretty grounded individual like I'm very much in the here and now but I'm also aware like oh, shit, I don't know <laughs> there's shit I'm never gonna know and sometimes that shit crosses my eyes and sometimes I'm like ah I'm like, okay I'm fine I'm sorry <laughs> so evil is anything that doesn't 
lend itself to or doesn't lend towards life. It's like, um, and then if someone has evil within them, that can change. Sure. And if it doesn't change around me, then I try and get away from it. And if I can't get away from it, I make sure that fucking evil stays away. You know, like, and maybe like, go ahead. Just because can change doesn't mean it's your responsibility to change it. Well, you know, I think, I think about a lot of like abused women that I've worked with and they're like, no, he, in his heart, he's a good guy. I'm like, that may be true. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying that's not your job, but the broken jaw and a black eye and like, no, like, is that your job to make that individual better? Or is it that person's job? And maybe what that person needs is a broken job of their own. <laughs> maybe what that person needs is like to lose their job. Or maybe that person needs to like do some time to understand that the, the, that the path that they're going in, nah, that's not the way. The consequences of that shit are too much. You know, so just because someone can change, I don't like focusing on that. I'm like, in this moment, no. No, I get to do it. Yeah. People aren't ready to learn until they are personally ready to learn. You know? You can't learn somebody else's lessons for them. And I think the impulse to rescue one's abuser or, yeah, to like, put yourself out there again to help them in their recovery from whatever evil thing that they did or what's inside them. Uh, somehow I feel when I have that impulse in myself, I think it's a way to distance me from the grief of the harm that I experienced or just the grief over all of the situation, the loss and the pain. Um, it will feel better. This, like, this grief won't be as bad if then I like, get to be the good person that changes this person. It's also a way of like being in control, right? If so much control has been taken from you from this person, if you're like, I can heal this person, I can help this person, then you're like, okay, now I'm in a position of authority, if not over my life, at least over their life. Okay, cool. Right? Which I get. I'm not like, fuck it. Like, I, I, I understand that. It just doesn't work. something works about it or else people wouldn't do it. People do a lot of things that are fucked up all the time. You know, like what works is that like, it allows you to not have to change your situation and that can be hard, right? Like, you know, there's financial considerations, you know, definitely like safety considerations, right? Like a lot of people who are in abusive relationships, no matter what kind they are, they're, they are hurt when they leave the relationship not when they're in there they're more they're more likely to be killed when they leave the relationship as opposed to when they're in the relationship so yeah it'd be good to be like okay i'm gonna stay in this because i can help and it's like all right cool like that keeps you safe right now but in the long term you know how's your puppy been really good he is, um, he is happy. He is getting a bunch of attention because um, I've been home and not traveling all around. So 
we're hitting the park every day and getting the stretches going and he's just he's, he's loving life nice thank you again for coming back i appreciate it i feel like we could do a, a whole series of talks on this stuff um yeah, just your students are lucky, your clients are lucky to learn from you or to, to learn from ourselves through your uh, reflection and support. We learn from each other. Cool. And thank you for having me on yet again. <laughs>